Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. This is not like streaming on Twitch where I can't really see if the levels, if my mic is working. So, oh, hi. Is my mic working, Jessica Murray? Oh, hi, Chris. Good afternoon. Sounds good. All right. That's all I need. They like changed the setup a little bit. I'm used to having more. Uh... Hey, John, how's it going? Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Simpsons fans. Oh. Simpsons is weird, right? If you think about it, it's like everyone loves the Simpsons, but it's been not good for like five times longer than it's been good. <laughs> thank you, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, I um, I stream uh, video games on Twitch, but with that, you could see if your mic levels and everything. But with this, it's just kind of flying blind, flying blind. So. All right, we'll give it some time for more people to maybe trickle in. Um, I will be speaking today. Hi. Sorry for uh, the inadvertent bait and switch. That was not the uh, the plan, but um, everything's fine with Jay. It's just, as you know, he got back from Belfast, and ideally, when you get back from vacation, you like to slowly get back into the way of things, and in uh what seems to be a common thread in jay's life as soon as he landed he was back on the treadmill going like as fast as it was when he left so um he's got to deal with some stuff and uh so i'm here so he has a day off and and all that stuff so but everything's good it's just kind of a uh too much going on too fast after getting back from vacation so in the past i have um kind of like it depends on how I write my notes for my talks if I'm at my computer a lot that week I will write it up because I won't have a, a pad with me and when I do that I could have like the word document on one of my other screens but this time I wrote it all out so I will have to be reverting to my notes oh my everyone like my Columbo sweatshirt <laughs> love it love it Last time I was uh, live um, to introduce um, the interview that Jay did with Christy G, we got to talking about Columbo a little bit, so I figured I would wear my Columbo shirt. But in true fashion, I do have a punk rock band uh, shirt underneath, so Laura Jane Grace with the Op Ivy logo. Perfect. This is always, this is always the fun part when we start talking, because this is where I find out in real time if my message is <laughs> works or if it's any good or if it's just rambling. So we'll find that out together. So that's very good. I don't normally quote full on Bible verses, but if needed, here it is. The trusty pink uh, snakeskin Bible. Look at that. Look at that bad boy. Um, I'm 99.8% sure that it's fake snakeskin because I would not own anything real snakeskin. 
I don't even know if I own anything that's real leather. That stuff kind of makes me feel a little weird. But I got this Bible for myself. I wish it was a gift, but I, I gifted it to myself back in 2005. Which is weird because it's the Bible I use the most. And besides some like tearing there, it's like I keep it in good shape, but it seems like I don't use it <laughs> as dust flies off of it. No, but I, I use it a lot and carry it with me. And But there it is. It is the new, new century version, new century version. Um, I tend to like the new living translation because to me, I feel it's more poetic sounding and I do like that, but I also like stuff that's written, um, in kind of more contemporary language because that saves me the hassle of having to like translate it to myself or others. Cause, uh, you know, I have a story of, um, all growing up, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I was like, why wouldn't we want him as our shepherd? Like, isn't that that like good? And I was embarrassingly old when I figured out that the Lord is my shepherd. So I shall not want anything. So that's why I try to stick with stuff that's just kind of plain. I did get into the message Bible a lot when I was younger too, which was the, it was like a little too contemporary. It was like Jesus and his buddies were hanging out at the mall. Yeah. Mm, I get where you're coming from, but that that's a little too confusing. <laughs> Jesus and his buddies were mall rats. Um, so, but I could definitely see the appeal of being live and in person because then you could like, banter with uh people but now it's just me <laughs> like a radio dj coming at you on the ones and twos but i'm excited about today's message it um <laughs> putting it together i did get a little lost in the weeds and i was off chasing rabbits and um but uh it was a very fun exploration Ooh, Montana. Happy Sunday, Justin. Montana. Do you go fly fishing for trout in Montana? That's the only thing I associate it with. I want to say because of uh, a river runs through it. Is that in Montana? So um, for today's talk, really the breakdown happens um, like this, where I had... Um, different thoughts kind of rattling around in my head, like on repeat. Um, but they were unrelated. I actually, I'm not much for like fancy words, but I did learn a word a few years ago. Um, and I'm 38. So learning a new word is both kind of fun and embarrassing. Like you would think that I would know all this stuff by now, but the word is disparate. I learned that from a Nick Cave documentary. But so all these um, these ideas that seemed completely unrelated were just like floating around in my head. But I, I kind of felt like a faint like connection between all of them. Like they all kind of fit, but I just have no idea how they fit together. And so the, um, the three ideas that I had 
was one was the idea of sincerity and how oftentimes um i can't s speak for everybody but for for me a lot of times when we hear bible verses or um what jesus said we hear it very like bland and like if you've ever been to a church everybody reads scripture the same way right for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Like, it's very bland. There's, like, no heart in it. And so when we then use that to, like, um, help other people and, and reach and speak to other people, it tends to come out just as flat. And um, so I kept having the idea of the sincerity that Jesus would have in when he originally gave that talk and those ideas. Um the other thought I had was the impact of smaller relations and um, small groups um, because um, we'll get into it a bit more later. But the breakdown is that um, there is another Josh in my life because <laughs> that's my name. Um, but I met him in college and he's probably like besides my wife, probably my best friend in the entire world forever and ever and we would always we met at a christian college his parents were missionaries and uh, his dad was a pastor and um and so we would always kind of talk about how fun it would be to start a church together but the thing is is as much as we have in common and we relate to each other um he was always a bit more traditional in his thoughts of church and christianity than i was so for for um probably going on 10 years maybe more um maybe 15 or so uh i was i really get the feeling that church is dying and um i personally and i, I don't mean this to be like controversial or anything but i do not think it should be saved i think it should be scrapped altogether and rebuilt um, and so we would always have, um, not disagreements cause we were always just talking in passing, but we would just, um, kind of just, he would want more of a church and I would want more of a, just a group of people talking, which is why it's so exciting for me to have found revolution and to have, um, become friends with Jay, because this is something that I've been wanting for a long time. And so I know it must be frustrating for Jay at times when you used to have like this big church and a staff and a ton of people. And then um, like right now, probably because Jay's not speaking, but there's like seven people watching right now. Um, I know people do listen to the podcast, six people. So someone tuned in. So it wasn't Jay and was like, I'm out. Um, so I know that that could be very frustrating to, to him. But to me, I think it's great because um, – of the impact you have when you deal with a smaller group of people and the intimacy in that versus the big, a big, huge mega church. So that was another idea I had was the importance of a smaller group of people. And then the third idea that I had was, um, was presented to me because, um, I've been struggling with some things in my mind recently, like just, as we do and obviously being isolated and 
the division that's everywhere has been kind of just really messing me up. Um, and so someone has encouraged me to look into um, some like Buddhist teachings and Buddhism, mainly because they felt that I had my expectations of people were too high. And I didn't ever think that I had high expectations of people, but I guess in the fact that I always protect myself thinking and assuming that there people are going to let me down and I don't want um, to be bummed out by that. So <laughs> it, that in itself, just assuming that everybody's going to let you down without having high expectations in itself shows that I do have high expectations of people, even though I think I don't. Um, and it's a, a bit of a struggle for me because there's this um, – this line from this band called listener, which I love, but my wife hates cause it's just, um, it's like talking spoken word, rock and roll. And, uh, the guy sounds like the bug from men in black, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, also known as Jerry Falwell. Um, and so, um, but he has a line that says he needs to learn the difference between being used and giving all I am. And that's something that I struggle with because, I genuinely feel, um, I hate to say a calling, but that I want, like, I feel like I want to put everybody else first when I can, uh, which is not, doesn't always happen, but that is my main goal. Like I want to be just care for everybody else. And that's also how I'll care about myself. But then there's a fine line for that. So I was encouraged to explore like Buddhism, whereas they start to think about doing things without expectation. So these three things are rolling around in my head and I'm like, I, they don't seem related at all and I don't see how they are, but eh, why not? Let's try it. So, um, <laughs> let's see if this works. No, but, um, I don't think it's any stretch too much of how I, I did connect them. Um, so the main thing, um, when we're talking about sincerity, which was the first thought that I had, there's this band, Ockerville River, and they have this line um, that goes, some nights I thirst for real blood. Now, I love that line. I think, full disclosure, I think in that song, they're speaking through the mind of a serial killer, but we'll, we'll take that part out and just focus on that line. Um, because I, in my head, when I hear something like that, I think of this Hemingway quote, Hemingway quote, when he, um, mentions that he says like, um, something along the lines of writing is easy. You just stand in front of the typewriter and bleed. And so, um, so he was just saying, you just like, you just are honest. You just write honest and true, um, as true as you can and you give people this blood that they're thirsting for. They might not know it, but they're thirsting for real blood. And so when I think of these, um, that sincerity and I start to think of how we are taught Jesus spoke, um, it gets to be that gets lost in translation. Uh, so it becomes like flatless and, um, there's like no blood to it. It's just very, there. We're hearing Jesus' words, however, like through the mouth of who's ever reading them to us or teaching it to us. And so it's, you know, it it just loses so much. And so when you hear things like, 
Jesus says to turn the other cheek or to remove the speck from your eye so you can remove the log from someone else. He who is without sin, throw the first stone. And, um, and as you can hear just me saying it, it sounds very familiar to probably the way that you have heard it said. But I would have to imagine that he's not saying it like that. He's taking the time to really relate to people as needed. He's not just doing these drive-by like wisdom Bible verses or whatever. So he's um, telling people when they're angry, he's like, no. You have to, if someone hits you on the face, you have, you shouldn't strike back. You should turn and offer them the other cheek because violence will not solve violence. So, you know, like there's just, there's more heart when he was dealing with people rather than how we just go, he without sin cast the first stone. Where when in the moment, Jesus was not saying it from that pulpit. He was dealing with people who wanted to kill somebody they want to kill a woman who was caught in adultery and they were um, they want to kill this woman. And he was like, no, like, fine, if you want to kill her, you can. But anybody that has not done this should be the person who throws the first stone. Like you could do that if you are not guilty of this. You throw the first stone and regardless, everyone else could follow and you could fulfill this law. And so um, – it wasn't as cold as all that. And I think if that's something that we remember in our dealings with people, it will give us a heart to really listen and be in the moment with them. Um, Cause even say um, one of my favorite examples of anything that Jesus did was when um, Nicodemus, he was like a high priest and he came to Jesus in the middle of the night because he didn't want anybody else to know that he was dealing with Jesus because Jesus was so controversial. And he takes the time to really um, like be with him and understand him and speak in a way that he would know would uh, get through to him. And he's not just like sit like cold and judgmental um, and he even to my pea brain thinking, and I could be, this is one of my bonehead <laughs> theories right here, but like he would be using specific um, references and keywords that Nicodemus would know and be able to relate to because of how he knows scripture. So he'll say, um, he'll tell Nicodemus, like you come to me and I tell you all these things about earth but you don't believe me. So like, why would you believe me when I tell you things about heaven? And so if uh, Nicodemus was a high priest and I'm just uh, <laughs> like a graphic designer from Long Island. So if I'm thinking in this connection, I can't imagine that he wouldn't either. Cause in Jeremiah um, in the book of Jeremiah, which Nicodemus would know of the writings, uh, Jeremiah, the Lord tells Jeremiah if you are tired from running with men, how do you ever expect to run with horses? And how is that like any different from Jesus being like, well, I tell you all these things on earth. If you can't comprehend them, how do I expect you to understand things about heaven? Like if you can't handle men, how are you going to handle uh, horses uh, running with them? And he, um, and he also talks about 
um, you hear the sound of the wind, but you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it blows from. And instantly, I would think in Nicodemus, that would trigger in Job, where Job is like, hey, God, you are ruining my life and you're being kind of like a scumbag. Please stop. And then God gets very upset and he's like, you don't know anything that that I do. You don't know. You don't know where the wind comes from. I know where the wind comes from. Like, I know all these things that you don't know. And so that would trigger something. So that would show Nicodemus too. Not only does Jesus know what he's talking about, but he understands, like he's, um, Nicodemus would know that he's being seen and it's not just run of the mill scripture reading, like probably like he was doing to people, because as we know, um, Jesus, and we'll get into this later too, gets very upset with the Pharisees very often for their detachment, like a wrongful detachment. And the, in the story of Nicodemus, uh, that's where we get John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son and for whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And again, I feel like I'm demonstrating the exact way that we've all heard it our entire lives, just like monotone, like flat line, right? Like there's no any just flat line, like a, like in a hospital, like boop. But when he's talking to Nicodemus, he wouldn't be saying it like that because it's, he's not just reciting a scripture that he knows. These are words that are coming to him as he's speaking them. So they would have the same life that I have with you now, or you have with your friends and family when you're talking to them, you know, it would have just like more, just, uh, more blood to them, more life, you know, um, you know, he'd be like, you know, so God loves everybody. He loves so much that he sent me like his son to come down to save everybody. Like that's how I picture it being, because if Jesus was as boring as church makes him seem, I don't think he could get a bunch of nobodies to just, Oh, follow you because you asked. Okay, sure. Why not? Um, so that was some of my thoughts on sincerity is how we have to remember um, when we're dealing with people and we want to quote like, um, hey, he without sin, throw the first stone like as a gotcha, like ha ha, caught you. But Jesus didn't do that. We're referencing that, but taking all the life out of it. So we should like focus that there was life in his words and sincerity and we should have that in dealing with our friends and everything. Now, the other thing that I was thinking of was the, um, the impact of a smaller group, a smaller relationship. And the main thought I had was years ago, someone proposed a riddle to me. It's an in riddles are weird, right? Because in someone asking you them, you already know that the most obvious answer is not the right answer, right? There's no bait and switch there. That's the whole point of the riddle. But he asked me, would I rather have a million dollars or get a penny a day doubled for a month, right? So if you think about that, would you rather have a penny a day, but every day it's doubled or a million dollars, like just straight up? And it, it seems stupid, to not take the million dollars, right? 
package like there's 30 days there's 100 penny like 100 pennies make up one dollar and everything but what happens is it's a, a weighing out instant gratification versus a slow burn so um exactly bobby taylor knows what's up by day 22 it so when there's you wait the whole month and you're like i can't believe i gave up a million dollars for this the when you get to day 22 you're like oh okay wait uh this i definitely made the right choice because day one you get one penny day two you get two pennies day three you get four pennies then eight then 16 and it goes and goes and goes by day 28 you break a million dollars you're over a million dollars and with two days to go in the month you end with like 5.3 million dollars so the slow burn it seems counterintuitive but that's what you would want and that's kind of why i i love the small crowd and stuff like that and of course seeing the number in the corner keep going down it's back down to six people it is very um it does get discouraging a little bit and but the thing is we have to remember that jesus kept a small crowd don't get me wrong yes he spoke to the multitudes um and the the sermon on the mount right in the the um amphitheater type setup that it had he was able to talk to like 500 people or something but for the most part um if you think about that too now i'm not saying it's the same group of people but he would speak to um 500 people at a time or whatever but then when he's on trial the whole entire crowd is screaming for him to be crucified and to free barabbas so like maybe the impact wasn't made as intensely when dealing with so many with so many people um you know whenever he was in temples uh, i guess they would be the churches of the time he was chased out when he was speaking to large groups of people um they were trying to kill him there so by having these small groups uh, that you know like he deals with you know uh, 11 people <laughs> thanks right uh he, um he's he's uh, talking to these 11 people then he tells them or 12 people he tells them now you go out and and do this too. So he's basically he's having he has twelve pennies and he sends them out and then they double and then because they're dealing with small people like small groups of people and then they would double and they would double and they would double and they and that's you would get that much faster because on a small level like that you would be able to have these sincere talks that have this real blood to it. We've all seen these mega churches and I mean, Jay grew up with that kind of, um, lifestyle. So I know that that probably weighs on him a little bit too, when you see massive crowds and I'm sure that feels very good, but, um, and I don't mean this as a jab at the people that do like Joel Olstein or, or anything like that, but like when there's a, a hurricane that devastates the, the city that he's in, he doesn't open his church because he got new carpets installed on it and he doesn't want it all muddy and rainy. Like, so the, just the, the fact that you're dealing with a ton of people like Joel Olstein will never, ever, ever be as sincere as even the last two talks that Jay gave rather than like Jay gives these talks all the time, but the last two that he gave 
Joel Osteen or anybody that talks at a megachurch would never be able to get that real and sincere and give that real blood to hundreds of people, thousands of people, or however many um, go to these churches. It just would never happen because there's that pressure to put on like a face that they could like look up to or admire and you don't want to risk tainting that with blood, like showing like, no, this is me. This is everything. Hey, Richard loves my Colombo shirt. Love it. So, um, that's, um, why I believe in these small crowds. Cause even if we talk about the parable of the sower that goes to sow some seeds, right? They, <laughs> the sower is, is just sowing the seeds everywhere all right like just throwing seeds uh plant 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 and in the example we have uh a bunch of those seeds fell on the road so nothing happened some fell on the rocks um some fell in the weeds and started to grow but then got choked out and then some will fell in the good soil and then that started to grow and bloom and blossom now with the with a small group and you're being sincere and real and just bearing it all the um that almost shows that like or lets you sow seeds constantly in good soil or more often than not whereas in that parable only one seed fell on the good soil everything else was lost and so if you're sincere and dealing with small groups and you deal with that penny a day doubled odds are you'll get more good soil seed planting and i'm not just talking about like preaching the gospel i'm talking about all sorts of aspects of a friendship or relationship giving good advice being there making an impact it doesn't have to be related to the bible or scripture or anything like that just in general and so (laughs) this is where Things in my mind got a little bit weird and out there. I hold zero um, grip on this bonehead theory that I came up with. It was just something that made me think and it made sense. And what the only thing it really questions to me is if Jesus like studied and learned and grew into the wisdom that he had or being part divine son of God, uh, as I believe I'm not, that's not any sort of, that's just my, uh, my beliefs. I, I do hold in that aspect, a more traditional, um, form of the Christian mindset. But again, um, the more I study, all I know is that I don't know anything at all. So, <laughs> so, but the, so did Jesus always have this knowledge and wisdom or did he have to learn and study and grow and change? And so in um, questioning that and having a loose grip on it, I do love, as people might know if they've heard me talk, I love to come up with bonehead theories that maybe hold no water. Sometimes they do, maybe. But like I have one that Jesus gives the example of the Good Samaritan because it was he himself that was beat up on the way and he witnessed the only person to help him because he would go through Samaria a lot. Um, I do think that maybe Pilate was the first uh, believer, not the centurion because of the uh, sign that Pilate insisted be posted uh, above the cross when he's crucifix uh, crucified. 
I think that Jesus and Judas were a lot closer than people like to make it um, seem. So I always like to have these theories because it gets my mind thinking and um, engaged. And so I don't, um, I don't mean this in any sort of like clickbait or, oh, I'll get your attention by being offensive. Like nothing like that. Just a sincere thought I had was, did Jesus in his missing years like ever study Buddhism himself? And um, I don't think that that's too controversial of a thought, but I know there is some, it could, it could be seen as controversial because that gives the thought of Jesus not knowing everything or looking to other people. But if you hang out and uh, we dissect this a little bit, I don't think it's as scary as it sounds. And I think it, it, could make sense and um so I, I just don't want you to get scared off by that <laughs> that theory that i just came up with like uh two days ago so the um the reason that i say this is so between the the ages of 12 and 30 we have no idea um, at all i don't even think in the historical context we have any idea of what Jesus did in that time, right? Very much like how Elijah just shows up in the book of Kings or second Kings out of nowhere. Jesus kind of is like, I'm 12 and I'm going about my father's business. And then boom, smash cut need to 18 years later. And he's like, Hey guys, I'm back. So, um, but through context of people, um, relating to him or what they say about him, we do get the, we can kind of assume that he did study and um, to become a rabbi of some sort, right? Because people call him rabbi. He clearly must have been um, Bobby. <laughs> I like this guy. So um, the, because that's where I'm going with this, Bobby. So Bobby wrote in the chat, some scholars think Jesus went to India at that time too. And I only learned this from ex uh, exploring my own theory. So Bobby. All right. So, um, but we could assume that Jesus studied to become a rabbi because when he goes and sees fishermen and he's like, Hey, follow me. And they're just like, okay. Cause they're seeing someone that very clearly is a rabbi, um, asking them to be his disciples. So we have that. And we also know that he must have spent time, um, in the family trade as a carpenter because he is a, um, He's referred to as the carpenter and the carpenter's son, um, et cetera. So, and then um, one of the most life-changing scriptures for me was um, when Jesus is en entering into Jerusalem, right, on his uh, tri on Palm Sunday, the um, Pharisees and everyone's like, keep it down. Like, you're causing a crowd, like, this crowd to get too loud. We don't want to riot. We don't want Rome to be upset with us. And Jesus says... Um, if the crowd was to be quiet, even the rocks and stones would sing. And to me, that um, kind of made it seem that anything, anything, inanimate objects to uh, like anybody and anything can speak the truth of God. Uh, even rocks and stones can do it. So why can't Buddhism, why can't um Cormac McCarthy or Nick Cave or Columbo, like anything that you might be able to glean something from should not be seen as bad or wrong because even the rocks and stones could do it. So having that mindset, why wouldn't um, Jesus maybe be curious on um, 
this philosophy uh, with Buddhism. And now, so we're going to take a, a slight break from that and just kind of from my quick studies, again, I'm sure this might be able to be debunked in two seconds, but in my quick studies, um, was Buddhism accept, uh, accessible at the time? So um, the book of um, Esther makes mention of it, right? That uh, King Xerxes' um, reign was from Kush, Kush to India, right? So that's that was said. Um, and Solomon in um, Kings and Chronicles, every three years we'd have a shipment of goods that he would get. And on the invoice there would be peacocks listed and now peacocks are native to India. So there was access to India and, and everything like that. A quick side note that um, again, should encourage us to as much as we love the Bible and we, we treat it with respect and stuff. We do have to have a loose grip on it because you will find some translations take out the word peacock and replace it with baboon because scholars can't decide if the translation should be baboon or peacock. So if they can't fully distinguish between an ape <laughs> creature and a bird with all like that is a peacock, there is room that, okay, maybe some things that we're reading aren't translated that properly. So, um, you know, if I was into conspiracy theories, maybe people that were scared of, hey, Selena, how's it going? Maybe people that are scared of um, the idea, uh, the theory that Jita, uh, Jesus um, might have studied Buddhism, might have wanted to get rid of as much India reference in the Bible. So maybe that's why I'm not that much of a conspiracy theorist, but the fact that they can't agree <laughs> on the translation uh, between peacocks and apes show that maybe we should um, take it with a grain of salt, but the fact that peacocks are native to India and it's registered. So it's possible like India is in the vicinity of where we're at in the Bible. And then in terms of history esque stuff of uh, Jerusalem was very, um, a focus point of Rome because of trade and, um, accessibility because there were issues with the Dead Sea with I don't know sailing too much but something where the only way like out of the sea into the bigger like oceans and stuff the wind only blew in the same direction so it was very hard to traverse it and it does get narrow and so they would need places to go over land and that's where like Jerusalem will come in and also that it was highly sought after from a military standpoint. Um, but what's to say I'm saying that is because trade would have been coming in and out of there. And there are uh, people have found Roman coins, um, ancient Roman coins in India. Um, and also there are, this was kind of funny. There's letters. Um, I don't know if it's written in jest at the time, but basically Rome, uh, Roman citizens complaining that they're going broke because their wives want all this silk scarves and perfumes from India, India. So India was something that was very accessible. And, um, so the culture there was accessible and it's probably not too, too scary or far off to think that maybe Jesus encountered like a Buddhist 
learned a little bit about it and became curious. Um, I mean, it might take like two months to, for him to like get to, to India, if he was to walk or ride a camel or something like that. But being that we're dealing with 18 missing years, what's two months, three months uh, of a journey. And what I found really interesting is, um, and again, anybody feel free in the, we'll talk a little bit in the afterglow after this, if I have any of my facts wrong about the religions and philosophies, please feel free to correct me for my own edification as well. But if you look at how um, Buddhism came from Hinduism, where it's a lot of the core principles and beliefs, but they got rid of, they didn't believe really in the priests or the rituals or the caste system that Jesus, what, what he starts to um, remove from the laws of Judaism is kind of the same thing. So that probably would have attracted him if he was struggling with that aspect of the law um, that, you know, he's having problems with the Pharisees and how they were separating themselves from people and the, um, and he yells at them about how they wear the scriptures in bigger boxes so people could see it. And they, they make their, their prayer robes longer so that they purposely drag on the ground. And so if he was learning from a philosophy of people that were like, no, we started with this religion, but we, almost, I don't want to say evolved, but we like grew to see how this was not good for it. So we, we kind of see things differently. That would probably really appeal to him. And he might want to go, um, study it because basically he does to Judaism, what Buddhism does to Hinduism from my understanding. And so, um, growing up when you encounter, um, I'll say young atheists, because um, I don't mean it as a slam to everybody, but it's just how when we're younger, we're very narrow-minded, and we think, even as Christians, oh, I'll quote this scripture at somebody, and that will that be a gotcha. And also, on the other side, um, atheists would ha do that to me, and um, if if they were we were in some sort of discussion, and they would often bring up the similarities between religions kind of like no yours is just a copy of everybody else's it's all made up and stuff which is fine but what i'm wondering is instead of it being a, like similar what happens if it's similar because it's an inspiration like what happens if jesus went to india and he was studying you know he he had his core beliefs he knew his divine calling but he also knew that the rocks and stones would call out and teach him more if he was open to it. And then he learns about Buddha who wandered in the desert and fasted until he reached enlightenment, until he learned and understood um, the principles that he was looking for. And he fought temptation in this. So it, rather than, oh, Christianity just stole that. What happens if Jesus learned that? And he was like, that's that's great. I'm going to have to do that because I need something. I need this lightning bolt of inspiration. So um, when I get home, I'm going to go in the desert. I'm going to fast and I'm just going to focus and pray and meditate and hopefully get some answers. Um, you know, Buddha kept a small group of disciples, which Jesus does. Right. And even when he tell, when he um, heals people, one of the first things he says is, 
don't tell anyone I did it, please, because he didn't want the onslaught of um, people onto him. Um, the So I know that Mary and Joseph were not royal people, but in the divine sense, Jesus came um, from royalty, right? Like his dad is God, basically, like the house of the king, church, like all this stuff, and um, coming from the line of David. So if he learned then about Buddha, who was literally born into a royal family, left <laughs> very much like uh, the movie Aladdin, leaves the, the safety of the palace and witnesses human suffering for the first time and is so moved um, that he wants to do more. And so he's, and he sees pain is universal and pain is in everybody and he just wants to help with the suffering. And so you know, he discovers the middle path because he tries the extremes. He tries locking himself away. He tries the other extreme and he's not any more happy, um, in that. So, you know, Jesus would then learn about how Buddha's disciples helped everybody. They helped Kings, the slave, the King slaves. They helped other monks. There was a story of uh, a monk sick with a contagious disease in which Buddha was the only person to care for him, clean him up, give him a new bed. And um, he kind of chastised the other monks saying like, you guys don't have parents anymore. You only have each other. You have to look after each other. And what, whenever you help others, you help me, which we could kind of see Jesus being like, oh, wow. Yeah. What, what you do onto the least of these you also do unto me. And um, now I don't want to take anything away from Jesus's wisdom and knowledge, but also wisdom just doesn't have to be something that is you're born with or it's like strikes you with lightning. It could be gathering information and using it to to better yourself and others and strengthen your beliefs. Like that's just as much... Um, Thanks, Steve. Steve says he loves my thinking on this. Thank you, Steve. Um, and so the um, so you could see Jesus like learning about this and wanting to like relate it to his own um, beliefs. And so um, you know when all of a sudden Jesus is learning things about um, you know there's. Every, everything in the universe has always been right. I think I don't know the wording exactly of the Buddhist thought. He would have his scripture of saying there's nothing new under the sun, right? So he would be like, Oh, okay. Like this isn't threatening to me. Like I understand this and I could use this. Um, you know, if Buddhism is dealing with cause and effect, Jesus would know so many thoughts and analogies of reaping and sowing, right? The cause and effect. Um, and so, Jesus, um, right, like, uh, so he would also learn about um, letting go of anything that is blocking your wisdom. So that would be why he could have embraced this, but also why he does have these issues with the Pharisees. Like I said, he's always telling them, like, people come to you or you seek them out, and all you want to do is change them to be like you. And in doing so, you make them twice as fit for hell than you are. Because you're so arrogant and you make sure that everyone knows you're praying and you pray loud and you make sure everyone could see you dragging your robes and they could see the scriptures that you wear. Um, you know, like you're fools. Like, like that's so he because he's seeing them blocking the wisdom for of others. And then 
a big thing to this is um, right when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, if we go about that, he talks about the idea of you need to be born again. And Nicodemus has no idea how to comprehend this. He can't even think of this in any sort of way except for literal. And he's like, but I'm already born. I'm an adult. How could I be born again? And where would, so if Nicodemus who studied all these scriptures his whole life and was a high priest, didn't, couldn't think of anything that made sense. Where would Jesus have gotten that? Except maybe he took the idea he learned about reincarnation and instead of made it a literal reincarnation, he was just kind of saying like, no, you have to be born again, something brand brand new um, to understand this. And I did see a great analogy uh, from a Buddhist teaching in using the, um, the idea of leaves on a tree, right? Every year the, a leaf, the leaves fall off, but from the same branches every year, new ones emerge. And they're the same leaves from the same branches, but they're also different at the same time. So Jesus could have taken that, that idea and was like, oh, this is something that's missing is teaching people that they have to have like a death of self. They have to put a lot of themselves to death um, in order to understand this and to grow and to be wise. And he could have also gotten that from a Buddhist principle of basically to my understanding, again, they don't believe in a self at all. They believe that there's all these, maybe there's five, I wish I knew it better, but like five functions of our minds. And that kind of makes the, makes the, the self like, so basically they, they use an example of yarn, right? Like there's a string of yarn, but actually it's all individual things. If you were to unravel it, you would not have yarn anymore. Um, or same with a pile of sand. There's nothing in the pile except for the in individual components of sand. And also there's the use of a, um, a dismantled chariot, which when it's lying on the ground, it's all just parts and pieces and wheels. Um, and it's not a chariot until all those pieces are put together. And so he would have had this idea and that idea of death to self was confusing to everybody. They didn't understand it. Even his own disciples weren't, weren't understanding it. And this is something um, kind of to bring it back to revolution that, um, that Paul understood or seemed to have understood, or at least took the lead from Jesus and investigated it more and understood it more because he's the one that would talk about, you know, um, how we have to die um, in order to like die to ourselves in order to learn and grow. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but he lives through me. Um, you know, and then when he's like, there's, um, why Jay, one of Jay loves Galatians and his, like one of his favorite verses in it talks about no Jew nor Gentile, no slave or free, no male or female. And so if there, those were all the distinctions. And then Jesus went to India and he was learning and he learned about how Hinduism has a class system and Buddhist got rid of it. Then he would kind of. Because we see Jesus, it's kind of a new idea for him too, right? Because he struggles with it. He's telling you to be like the Good Samaritan and to love others as yourself. But then he does go like, no, deal with the, like the Jewish people, heal them because that's who we care about. We'll deal with the others later. Or 
why should I help you? Like, you know, and the woman's like, I should, don't dogs get scraps from the table? So it wasn't something that was so innate in him that he just understood it. It kind of more plays as something that he learns and kind of like Peter, when he learns stuff and he forgets it as it goes on and he reverts to some old ways and then Paul has to correct him, we kind of maybe see Jesus having learned that stuff and then needing to be corrected if he, because it's a fairly new lesson for him, so he needs to hold on to it. And so, um, and maybe that's why Paul talks about it where other people don't really talk talk about that, like the death of self and getting rid of anything that divides us. There's no class system. There's no anything. Um, so that's kind of where I, I am, uh, right now. And so it's, um, you know, whether Jesus studied Buddhism or not, like that really, it doesn't matter. Like I, I like the idea of it. Uh, I don't find it threatening to him. Um, I think it is kind of cool to think of him as, learning these things, you know, you know, if he's living his whole life knowing that he has to die, it kind of hits different than if he was studying all this stuff and learning and growing and then kind of realized it like, Oh no, like that would hit you so hard. And it would be harder to, to do that because your whole life wouldn't, you wouldn't have been known your whole life that that's what you were groomed to do. It would come like to you, um, in a flash of like uh, just pain and suffering. And so that makes the garden scene even more intense. And even the fact that he left the garden to confront it, um, that stuff like that to me makes everything more powerful than him just being like, no, I'm all knowing. I always was, I was born with all the wisdom that I have. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. So that, that's just um, for me. But so I kind of think that these three, random ideas that I had in my head kind of do fit together um, in that way. So if we can learn to just like ditch our agenda and be sincere uh, with people and um, give them our real blood and learn about like anything that blocks our wisdom and stops us from being sincere with people to remove it, to remove our agenda and just um, kind of focus on on like a slow burn and not instant gratification focus on again this i don't mean this in terms of converting people or or anything but just focus on the seeds that you're sowing landing in good soil and then the person that comes from that seed would then take the same care rather than just willy-nilly spraying it everywhere um and so i think that's kind of uh that's something that i love about revolution I love that it's small and intimate and that we could have real discussions like this. Um, and, um, it's like, it's like a safe environment in which that no one gets attacked, but it's not safe in the, in the sense that people will have different opinions and thoughts and, um, be able to share them. And hopefully we could all, um, get some food for thought on it. So that's kind of, I have something a little bit more poetic written down for an ending, but I think I'm just going to be real with that and just end it right there and then um, kind of open it up if anybody wants to have any thoughts or discussions on that stuff, <laughs> if it made sense. But it was, uh, yeah, trying to put this together yesterday. I just kept getting 
more and more like lost in the weeds with stuff. I was just, it was like blowing my mind every time I learned something else and pulled at that and saw these connections, which maybe they're only connected in my mind, but it seemed like, how could this not be the case? But I'm sure um, people that are a lot more studied than me probably have proposed this and people have learned that it's not the case. Oh, thank you, Steve. Um, Steve posted a link if you want to support and donate to um, Revolution. Um, you know, it does go without saying, I hope, that um, we care more about the people than, than the money, you know. Um, but there are certain things that Revolution does need money for, such as finding a place to meet and rent and keeping this thing afloat. So any help does very much help. So thank you. Um, Yes, John said, lots to think about. I think we need to stop using Jesus' words as sound bites. Thank you. Yes, 100% yes. We need to put the real real blood back into the words. I, I really think that makes uh, an impact. And if you talk to people that have issues with the church or Jesus or something like that, very rarely does it ever have to do with anything that is actually said or written. It usually has to do with how it's taught and the people that do the teaching. And so by bringing some sort of real blood into it um, and real talk, we can negate some of that stuff. You know, if we don't pretend to be perfect or have all the answers and we're just honest um, and we don't argue, um, you know, as Jay will say, like we can learn how to disagree well. You know, that that stuff goes a long way rather than just soundbite, drive by Bible versing because <laughs> um, those tend to fall dead and make people roll their eyes. You know, nobody has probably ever been moved by someone being like, turn the other cheek and just like running away. <laughs> um, so because uh, people can learn a lot from our person, our example and how we live our life rather than just the words that we say. And it does mean more if the words do um, do uh, line up. So, Zoe, they are saying how um, they joined another church this morning before showing up here. The other church is served by a Cree, two-spirit priest. They include Cree ceremony in their service. Uh, I think that all the traditions that serve us come from the same place, whether connected to Jesus, Buddhist, Cree ceremony, Nick Cave, or Josh on a Sunday morning. Thank you, Zoe. I agree. Uh, you know, if we tried to silence it, even the rocks and stones would cry out. Um, so I'm glad, hey, if you missed 25 minutes, that's fine. I'm just glad that you're here hanging out with us. It's great to see you. Thank you. We'll give it a few more minutes if anyone has, wants to share thoughts or ask questions or say, hey, I don't agree with you. <laughs> don't worry, I'll cut out all this dead air <laughs> when I edit this uh, later on this week. I do uh, apologize for people that do rely on the YouTube video and podcast. I try to turn them out as fast as I can. Some weeks it's easier than others. Um, it was a lot easier when I worked uh, exclusively work from home because I was able to do it on lunchtime. Um, but I only have one to two days of working from home a week now, so it does make it harder. Uh, Selena, one of my favorites, uh, she said, I always thought that it was weird that some Christians said Buddhism is in opposition to Jesus's message. 
Buddhism is a philosophy. It's not a religion. Aha, exactly. You don't have to worship Buddha. Um, it's just concepts about existing, and I think it really enhances the things that Jesus talks about. Exactly. So that's why I, I also don't feel that Jesus would have been threatened or thought to avoid it, because he would learn that it's not a it's it's not a religion. There's no God in it. He just has it's just a philosophy to learn and you a way to live life and understand things better. So yeah, I mean I never really gave it too much thought until a few days ago and then it just was not leaving my head at all if it was um a possibility and then I was like, why not? Why wouldn't it be? There's 18 years that we don't know about. And if he was just making like tables and chairs and then going to rabbinical school, I don't, I don't know. Like, I would think that, I don't know. That wouldn't be like, what would there to be? He, So, I mean, he would learn all the scripture that he was then deconstructing and rebuilding, but is that 18 years worth of schooling? I'm not sure. You know, um, if you make your, bar mitzvah at 13 like how long is school if he shows up again when he's 30 years old so it's there's a lot of time that he probably was just kind of like the the show kung fu right just wandering around uh picking up wisdom and learning and teaching and maybe getting beat up and left for dead on the side of the road and then learning through a living metaphor that there are should not be any caste systems and uh there are no jew nor gentile because everybody left him for dead except for his sworn enemy. So all these things, they're fun to think about, I think. It gives it, I don't know, more something different than what the, the bland stuff that we just learned in Sunday school and church. And I also am a, um, I don't know, like I think it's very funny and telling that with Buddhism, I know there's a ton of statues. You know, you have the fat, uh, the fat, happy Buddhist monk, or you have Buddha themselves in that trance state or emaciated, like all the different phases. But they're all peaceful and calming, or they make you smile. Where when it comes to Jesus, it's just like we have a gift for you. We took the most agonizing second of his life, and we immortalized it for you to hang around your neck. So Chris says, I think that Jesus was born knowing what God wanted and probably spent those years learning about different man-made ideas. Yeah, right? You know, if Paul says, uh, I became all things to all people, he would have learned that from Jesus too. So uh, Steve Peter says, I believe there's great value in studying other religions and philosophies. Comparative religion classes were among my favorites in college and in seminary. Other religions and philosophies enhance my faith in Jesus and in God, not distract from it or detract detract from it uh and other religions and philosophies do not threaten my christian faith perfect that is that's that's my whole thing that's my whole my whole outlook and thing i call myself a uh, a christian mystic <laughs> i don't think it's a term that i made up but it um it felt like that's just how i relate to it because i like i said i don't care i'll listen to a, a song uh, about a serial killer and i'll get something out of it that um hits me in a, a deep way that I use in my faith or, um, I mean, I've watched, uh, <laughs> I've watched horror movies, uh, you know, like the thing and Hellraiser and I've gotten thoughts in my head that I was like, Oh yeah, no, that is, that's just like me. I often, 
I'm often like pinhead in which I cannot tell the difference between pleasure and suffering <laughs> and find myself um, unconsciously embracing both as a pleasurable experience and hating myself for it. So anything can be uh, used. So I very much agree. Yeah, so this was good. We'll give it a few more minutes. Uh, there's ob obviously no pressure. So see, Peter is a Christian mystic. Yes. Ah, there's actually an ancient tradition. Yeah, I, I got the term. I Like I said, I didn't ever think I invented it, but it came to my mind um, because of um, like uh, Hafez and um, Rumi, like Islamic mystics. And I was like, wait, if there's Islamic mystics, why can't there be Christian mystics? <laughs> so, but yeah, that's, uh, that's just kind of how I feel. And uh, I was kind of sick of, taking everything as an offense and um, a threat, you know, when it was like, why, why does it have to be, you know? And if, if Paul was able to use uh, an unknown God and use that, it, it wasn't a conversion message, but use that to strengthen something that he felt and saw and believed. And why can't that be the case? Ooh, I got some horror recommendations. The Cube, people always do recommend. I mean, I just watched uh, the John Carpenter's The Thing for like the three trillionth time. And I was like, wow. How how every every year, every decade, every time I watch this movie, it's just as relevant <laughs> as when it first came out. And there, everyone was scared of the Cold War uh, and all that and spies. And then the first version came out when everyone was scared of communism. And now everything's, everything's the same. Uh, but yeah, so I do like horror movies, so I will platform. Okay. Um, Bobby Taylor says Catholicism is deep in mysticism historically. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I don't think that, um, you know, there was a reason why Jesus talked in parables too, like in stories and thing, and you know, and maybe you know what. I personally, just because I like fantasy <laughs> and and stuff, I do love to think of a a time in the Bible in which things like that actually happen, in which you know, big giant fish swallow people and fire rain from the sky. It kind of seems like um, you know, like in the second Earth or something like uh mystical like that. But whether those are just fantasies and tall tales to help illustrate points, I'm totally fine with that. I like to think of an idea of God being so powerful that they would not use metaphors as much as they could just make metaphors actually happen in real life. But, um, <laughs> Steve Peters, see, I told you, I told you that was the, the, um, it's a, thank you for your compliment. But yes, I named my talk today. How can there be any sin and sincere, which was very much inspired by how me and Steve always talk musicals when I uh, give a speech. And that's from the musical The Music Man, because he's a what? He's a what? He's a music man. And he sells clarinets to the kids in the town. So, um, yes, very much inspired by our talks. So. All right. Well, this has been going on. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in and for sticking around. I always do find it flattering when um, people tune in and they don't see Jay and they stick around still. Because <laughs> I picture people being like, yeah, I'm only in it for him type thing. Not like for him, but like for his messages. So uh, I do appreciate that. Um, it's great. Uh, I love talking with you guys and kicking about some ideas 
and um, testing out some of my bonehead theories that I come up with. Um, and then I also get to talk uh, punk rock, Columbo, horror movies, and musicals. So thank you guys very much. It was great. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Um, and love to you, Zoe. So thank you, everyone. And um, we will see you next week. Same bat time, same bat place, same bat channel, etc., etc. So, everyone, take care and have a great day. And you're you're welcome. No, it's a it's a lot of fun uh, talking to you. So thank you again, guys, and I will talk to you later. Bye. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.